Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you the most topical energy matters in an informal setting. I think it would be fair to say that we're in the middle of an unprecedented period of global gas oversupply at the moment. So, listeners, if you have wondered how long the glut can last, or what the strategies of gas producers and shippers may be, or if there are any bullish factors out there, or even how low wholesale prices can go in Europe, then you're in the right place. My name is Richard Sverison, and I'm joined today by Shell Eiklan, Managing Director of Eiklan Energy. Welcome to you, Shell. Thank you very much, Richard. I think I'd like to start by by talking a little bit about what we've seen so far this year. This is after the Ukraine-Russian gas deal has been signed, which was kind of maybe supporting some prices. But now we're seeing TTF spot prices under 10 euros, Henry Hub under $3, and Asian prices under $4. What, what's, what's going on, Shell? Well, for the first time, it really started uh, last year, last January. Mm-hmm. But for the first time in history, we're seeing a global supply glut and a globally inter- interconnected gas market. So there's no place for an oversupply to hide anymore. Okay, so what, what are the next moves here? I mean, what, what can we expect from February? If, if the mild weather continues, can we expect prices could continue down? Supply to continue flooding into to Europe? What's your view here? My view is uh, in many ways similar to, to other observers that, uh, or the message that has come across by analysts the past couple of years that uh, there would be an expectation of a, of, a, of a global surplus of LNG at least until 2021, 2022. Okay. And uh, last summer we did some, uh, some work that uh, suggested that the, the glut could even continue till 24, 25. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that the analysts typically have not looked at was the short-term market implications. There was a general observation that uh, that the surplus could be managed. Okay, so talk us through that. What are the short-term implications of managing this this, this glut? In a typical liberated or liberalized market, you, you, you get a, an adjustment of supply and, and demand driven by prices. And what we're seeing now is that uh, LNG is a very rigid supply source. In a sense, it's almost like a, a must-flow a source of energy. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, in the short term at least, it does not seem to react to low prices at all. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, does not bode well for uh, those who uh, who expect higher prices in the next two months. I should also mention, Shell, that you're the managing director, if not the, the owner of IGIS LNG, which is a ship tracking and an information service for the global LNG market. But what, what are you seeing here in terms of the short-term drivers or the short-term factors driving this market? Well, it's interesting. Last year, we saw a few weeks ahead of the initial price drop in January Mm. uh, that uh, there was a fairly significant volume surge and uh, the market was taken by surprise. And another blip came uh, in in March that uh, led to a further drop. The system that we uh, we, we use, IGES LNG, is basically supply forecasting three to four weeks ahead. Mm. It's just not ship tracking. Mm. Uh, it's a supply forecasting okay. based on fundamentals. Mm. Mm. And what we're seeing now is that uh, starting in, in November, there was an unprecedented buildup of supply quite a bit earlier than, uh, than what we've seen in the past few years. Mm. And yet, winter temperatures did not seem to materialize. And there's certain doubt about uh, the Chinese economic growth and demand. There was a startup of, uh, of a pipeline from Russia. 
into China. So it's weakening the potential demand for LNG there. But what we saw is that the, the delivery profile in, in December continued well into January and has not really abated mm. until the past two or three weeks. So way too much demand, or supply rather, mm. for the market to handle. And this is Asia and Europe, or global trying desperately to find a home, these, this, this LNG, if you like? That's right. I mean, m- most of the demand, obviously, is in, in, uh, in Asia. But you saw a, a really global uh, supply surplus. And, and the way markets work right now, the ships can change direction at any moment based on the arbitrage uh, opportunities. So uh, one day the ship can aim for Asia, the next day for, for Europe. Really, it's, that, it's, that's just, it's a matter of hours. The, they're just looking where they can get the higher prices, I suppose. So they make a decision, just a snap decision, as if they're mid-Atlantic. Or Well, I wouldn't call it a snap decision, but it's certainly uh, something that's an ongoing exercise for at least a third of the cargoes, mm. uh, where to sell the, uh, the, the cargo with the best uh, not necessarily best profit, but least amount of loss in the current situation. Absolutely. So a third of global cargoes, how many ships would that be? Well, uh, in terms of uh, the fleet, we're tracking about 560, 70 vessels at this point. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about close to 200 uh, vessels that that could change uh, direction at at, at short notice. That's, That's substantial. You said the wave of supply carried on from January or from the turn of the year and into January, slowing down a little bit over the last two weeks. What's your prediction for the f- coming sort of three to four weeks to the end of February? What we're seeing uh, uh, is build-up of uh, storage, both floating storage or implicit floating storage and actual in-tank storage. When implicit storage, what do you mean? Uh, By implicit, I mean it could be ships not sailing as fast as they should. They're taking a good time to, to get to a market. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to store LNG as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you were saying you're seeing a lot of this in storage over the coming four weeks? Well, uh, the, the operators, importers, buyers of LNG now has a challenge when they see that the, uh, the, the winter is coming to, uh, to an end. What do we do with incoming cargoes? At the moment that operators decide this is it for this year, there will be a, a significant turndown of, of delivery frequency into the, to the markets. Mm. So what will happen with, with those, uh, those cargoes that can be potentially delivered to any other market? The capacity to produce LNG does not disappear. Mm, so the potential to deliver LNG is there. And paradoxically, with current low prices, producers would like to on-sell as much as possible to cover or to recover as much of their their costs as possible. Yeah, we'll come back to those producers because they're in a quite a tricky situation if one looks at the market, the current market situation, and which leads me on to my next question is, do you see these low prices to continue? Is it a short-term blip or is it is it a longer-term trend that we could see lasting as you mentioned, into maybe 24, 2024, 25. If I were to, uh, to put my money anywhere, then it would be for this to be a, a long-term phenomenon mm. that we could event, end up with a typical seasonal markets where you could have a, 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 a fairly good strengthening in the, the, the top winter months. Mm-hmm. But basically for, for the off-winter months, and certainly summer months, uh, fairly low prices and really marginal prices. Mm. And 
presumably very high storage as well. Well, so storage, <laughs> uh, not necessarily so, because mm-hmm. if, if the market all of a sudden relaxes and say we can always get hold of the, 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 the gas, whether it's in pipeline form or it's in, uh, in LNG form, they can uh, end up uh, turning down on their, uh, their storage uh, levels. Okay, simply so, to minimize working capital. Right, so storage doesn't become that important then in, in because of the availability of aid by cargoes or, or, or pipelines is what you're saying. So. Yes, uh, interestingly, the uh, two years ago, uh, when there was a North Korean conflict or the threat of war, all of a sudden both Japan and no- uh, South Korea got nervous. Mm. So they, uh, they, after having depleted their LNG stock, their, their strategic storage, mm. all of a sudden they had to rebuild that mm. and drove up prices quite significantly as part of their, their, uh, their, their stock replenishment. Commercial and strategic decisions like this uh, really uh, can affect the, the market quite strongly. But returning to the producers, I mean, there's been a lot of focus on the US here. And how do the the U.S. producers and exporters react to this period of very low prices. Uh, the lowest cost uh, U.S. gas sources is uh, 50 cents or less. So uh, there will always be a base that makes money almost regardless. Mm-hmm. On top of this, there is associated gas, particularly from the Permian now. In the Permian bases in the that's U.S. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That has negative costs implicitly. As long as oil prices are reasonably uh, strong, mm-hmm. even at uh, $55, uh, $60 as we see currently, uh, there, there can be a negative uh, price of, of, of natural gas sales and they will still continue the drilling and producing. So the, the, the U.S. as a model source of, of, of natural gas does not really uh, help in terms of, uh, of turndown capacity. They mm. will not turn down mm-hmm. as it is right now. So they'll keep pumping and shipping. That's right. And on top of this, uh, for, for the foreseeable future, you mentioned that uh, Henry Hub prices were around three. In fact, mm. they're at now about... 190. Okay, so they're under two. I'm, That's I'm, right. I'm already out of date, uh, mm-hmm. Shell. Thanks, yeah. So they're under two. That's uh, right. How about producers elsewhere? So Qataris or the Australians or to other other producers? Well, Qatar has, uh, by many estimates, including our own, a cost of, of about 50 cents as well. Mm-hmm. Once wells are drilled, whether you have uh, shale gas in the US or, or the large fields elsewhere in the world, mm. once you have them up and running, the marginal costs are neg- negligible. So that does not stop natural gas from flowing. Exactly. But it has to have a home. Though. It has to go somewhere. And if, if, you know, if storage are full, the market's oversupplied, then it, this just, you're just basically driving prices down. That's right. But uh, on top of this, you have uh, the complication of, uh, of uh, what's called lifting rules uh, mm. in fields. You have uh, contracts that are signed that have take-or-pay obligations in them mm. that make it required for producers and sellers, or buyers rather, mm. to actually receive this LNG. So the question is, who has the burden? Who will adjust? It's not the producer necessarily. It could be the buyer who has committed to, uh, to buying uh, LNG or natural gas, uh, as the case may be, on a on on medium or, 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 or long-term basis. Mm. So they are paying mm. fixed charges. Mm. at a substantial level and we're talking here about uh, anywhere from 225 to three dollars per per million btu for for us lng mm-hmm. and these are contracts that obviously were signed quite some time ago yes inflation adjusted but what does this do to the companies that 
are piping the gas. We seem that Gazprom, for example, in January sold close to four BCM via its electronic sales platform. How do you see them reacting? I think uh, all producers, if you're talking about European export or producers right now, uh, they are challenged by, by the, the current situation. Mm. That's undoubtedly the threat of the US LNG in particular coming in. Mm. But in broad perspective, Australian LNG is just as significant. Mm. And how do you react to this really surge of energy uh, hitting liberalized markets and with the price impact that is pretty much immediate? Mm. It is unprecedented at the scale that we're currently seeing it. Mm. So what we heard just a short while ago that that Equinor had held back natural gas sales because of of, of LNG. Mm. What we're seeing though is that uh, overall exports from Norway in 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 2019 hardly budged from uh, from uh, from 2018. So it's a minimal effect. We see, however, that uh, that players may be shifting export from UK one day to Germany or France the other day. Mm. So they try to optimize the markets. So really into the, the, the portfolio and trading strategy play mm. here. But in the big scheme, the volume effects for the time being have been minimal. Okay. So they're still pumping it through the pipelines as they have done previous years, which have been record high, actually, levels, haven't they, from both Norway and, and Russia? That's right. And uh, Norway now is pretty much at the plateau level, at the top level that we can actually handle. We mm. may be able to do uh, 4 or 5% more, but uh, the fields cannot handle much more than what we're doing anyway. So uh, for, for this to have any material effect on, on pricing in Europe, compared to the inflow of, of LNG that's, uh, that's actually taking place, we're talking about much more significant adjustments that are, are required by some player, some supplier in the market. If I understood you correctly, Shell, what you're saying is that the way they're reacting to this unique situation that hasn't been here before is optimizing their trading, optimizing the, the way that they, they ship these volumes, either to the markets or in, in what kind of capacity, whether it's day ahead or intraday or whatever. Is that, would that be a fair assumption? It is. Uh, we have uh, a complication with regard to LNG, though, uh, compared to uh, both electricity and natural gas, certainly in Europe and, and the US, and that is that the markets are extremely organized. Uh, mm. You, uh, through the remit system in Europe, you know exactly what, where outages take place, how long they will last. Mm. You go through the nomination process, through exchanges mm. and you, you can see how the, the forward curve looks like. With LNG, people don't really know how much is coming into the market on any day. All of a mm. sudden, several ships may target uh, Japan or target Europe or not target Europe. Mm. That is not scheduled into the systems. So you add uncertainty here mm. that Nobody really knows how to handle yet. Handle that supply from the LNG. Or the uncertainty of, mm. of what will decide prices. And mm. that brings in a, a risk element in, in the pricing scheme that we've gotten used to in the past uh, decade or so. Mm. That things are essentially forecastable, to mm. use that term. LNG adds an element of uncertainty that producers and buyers alike have trouble finding out of. And if they have trouble finding out, then the markets more generally will certainly find it difficult to, to analyze or forecast both supply and, and potential prices. Yes, and, and uh, sometimes you have a risk premium uh, when you fear that supply can be short. Mm. 
But currently, we may actually see the opposite. Lower than rational price simply because the market believes that there will be a flood of LNG coming in mm. that may in part not materialize. But such is the uncertainty right now. And I'm just wondering as well, we've talked about talked about supply, Shell, but uh, the demand side, where, where is the demand for this, this wave of LNG, this gas globally, where is it coming from? I mean, is it from the, the power generation sector in Europe? Is it from, I mean, we've seen it, certainly Asian gas demand has driven up uh, prices in, in the past, especially in, 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 in harsh winters. But uh, where's it going to come from? Especially in light of, you know, the move to decarbonize and move away from fossil fuels. In Europe, we do have a certain challenge because already the, the, uh, the, the flexible power market is pretty much saturated with, uh, with natural gas. There may be a cargo or two extra that can be uh, be brought into uh, the market, but uh, minimal in the big scheme. What mm. we've seen, though, in the past two to three months is that gradually lo- the low prices have uh, really challenged coal plants in Asia. In Asia? Okay. In Asia. We expected to, uh, to, to see India as a big potential uh, module importer, but that has not happened. Instead, uh, there has been a surprising strength in, in Japan, Korea, that has helped absorb some of the surplus to the level that we don't think that this necessarily has reflected the, uh, the, the actual price level in the market, but it has been unsold um, literally uh, to minimize uh, uh, losses and to satisfy the, the, the take-or-pay requirements. Okay, so how about Europe? Very little. I mean, mm. obviously we see a very strong demand for, for natural gas in, 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 in Britain. And uh, oil certainly is, is out a long time ago. Mm. But uh, we have a, a situation now where, where, where renewables have helped LNG somewhat the past couple of months mm. simply lack of renewables production mm-hmm. as solar comes in in, mm. the, in the next few months and also with traditional uh, wind and spring we may actually see some uh, some some loss of market here as well as well, the market share from the market share yes yeah. yeah so would you say LNG and renewables are a good partnership? The LNG uh, comp- companies, gas companies, like to see that those uh, sources as, as good partners. But as it is right now, they actually compete for the marginal uh, supply. So uh, in the big scheme of things, uh, renewables will outcompete uh, LNG simply because it's delivered on an instant basis and LNG is not. And it's uh, almost, uh, it's extremely low cost as well. That's right. right. Shell, thank you very much for a fascinating discussion. I think it would be very interesting to look at the supply dynamics going forward and I'm sure we'll welcome you back on the pod uh, at some point later in the year to see how the things have developed uh, if they're according to, to your forecast. So thank you for joining the Montel pod today. Glad to be here. Thanks. Please, listeners, remember to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Goodbye. Oh, 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 oh